Welcome to Canada's most irreverent talk show. This is The Andrew Lawton Show, brought to you by True North. Coming up, Albertans have voted in favour of ending equalization, but is that enough to quell the rising tide of independence? Also, climate hypocrisy abound at COP26 and some other stories along the way. The Andrew Lawton Show starts right now. Hello and welcome to Canada's most irreverent talk show. It is Thursday, October 28th, 2021. Great to have you tuned in to The Andrew Lawton Show here on True North. I mentioned on the weekend that I had been in Calgary speaking at the Economic Association of Alberta's Freedom Talk Conference. The theme of the conference was healthcare, but in general, there was a lot of frustration about the state of affairs in the West. Now, just to put this in context, we didn't have the results from the equalization referendum at the time that we were all meeting. And a lot of folks there very frustrated with the status quo. A lot of people very frustrated with Jason Kenney's leadership and eyeing ways in which Alberta can assert itself and assert its independence to get a a better deal. And one of the interesting things that came up is a conversation that I had that we'll share very shortly with Paul Hinman, who's the leader of the Wild Rose Independence Party. But the Wild Rose Independence Party, which has a lot of people that are growing its its support base, was originally a party talking about a way to just get, you know, a better deal for Albertans. And now they're moving more and more towards this idea of, of being an outright separatist party. And I want to talk a little bit about that evolution because I think that's a very important one, that people are getting that angry. But first, I do want to take a look at the results of the referendum. So when all the votes are counted from across the province, 61.7% of Albertans who voted said they were in favor of removing equalization from the Constitution. The message that Jason Kenney says can be taken away from this is that a clear majority of Albertans have sent a powerful democratic message. They want a fair deal in the Federation. The results have given Alberta's government a powerful mandate to secure changes to equalization and other federal transfers that have treated Albertans unfairly for so long. He says Ottawa has to respect Alberta and the huge role the province plays in Canada's economic prosperity. Now, the interesting thing about that is is that for a long time now, Jason Kenney has had the ability to put all of the frustrations that people have with Alberta's place in Canada towards this referendum and say, we're going to have the referendum. You're going to be able to have your say there. I think I made the point last week or two weeks ago on our live show about this that we are actually in a point now. We are actually in a point now in which there's nowhere for Jason Kenney to hide. The referendum's done. Now everyone's looking at him and they're going to be saying, okay, you said this was a way that we could flex a little bit, go to the government, demand a deal. That is now on you. And there still is the looming question of what happens if Justin Trudeau doesn't want to play ball. And I have to go back to what a lot of the pro-referendum equalization people have been saying here, the people that are supporting the Yes campaign, which ultimately was successful. They've put a lot of stock into the Supreme Court's review, its reference case, they call it, of the Quebec secession referendum, which found that if in a democratic way on a clear question, people in a province vote on something that is similar to secession or independence then the federal government has a duty to negotiate, that they have to say, all right, clearly there's a real problem here. But even if you accept that interpretation, 
The government, the federal government doesn't have to give up anything in that negotiation. The federal government has to sit down ostensibly in good faith. But there's a lot of dispute about whether the government actually has to sit down. You can't compel action in that way. Even if Alberta were to take this all the way to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court can't say, now, Justin Trudeau, you have to sit down in a room with Jason Kenney. And even if he did, there's no guarantee that Trudeau would do anything about it. So I asked Jason Kenney about this earlier in the week. What do you do if you can't extract from the federal government the concessions or even the process that you want? And this is what he said. Well, you know, first of all, we've just released this result today. The Albertans voted on this last week. And uh, so the legislature now will uh, debate a motion effectively to ratify the democratic choice of Albertans. Uh, then we'll forward that uh, to the prime minister. Uh, and of course, I'll also formally make my uh, fellow premiers aware of uh, the, the referendum result and its implications. Um, we will uh, make the strongest case we possibly can for reform and for fairness for Alberta and the Federation with this powerful democratic endorsement. Uh, and uh, uh, we will at the same time continue to pursue other aspects of our fair deal agenda, uh, including uh, building a stronger and more resilient uh, province, uh, exercising more powers under the constitution, Later this week, we'll be, for example, releasing um, the initial study conducted by the Department of Justice and Solicitor General on the cost benefits and potential uh, advantages of a Alberta Provincial Police Force. Uh, we continue at our Treasury Board and Finance Ministry uh, carefully to study uh, the potential uh, benefits of an Alberta pension plan, which, which I think would be e enormous given the big demographic advantage, the age advantage of Alberta for the past uh, 40 or 50 years. Uh, we have continued, we just appointed an Alberta chief firearms officer last month to have uh, more common sense oversight on the application of federal firearms legislation. We have created the Alberta uh, parole board uh, to have Albertans uh, making common sense decisions over parole applications for provincial uh, inmates. Uh, and, and of course, uh, we, so in, we continue to pursue the broader uh, fair deal agenda, uh, while at the same time uh, expecting a, the, the government of Canada to take this uh, referendum result very seriously. I mean, look, he's saying all the right things, but at the end of the day, you can't force it. You can't force the federal government to do it. And what I was trying to get at there, and I don't really think he addressed this in the response, is what are you prepared to do next? What, where, where is your next step? And, and this is where we get to the independence threat. And this is something, look, I, I am a Canadian. I love Canada. I love Alberta as well. I am not someone seeking to break up the country. What I want is a country in which provinces like Alberta have the ability to do what they want to do without needing to feel like that has to take place outside of Canada. But at the same time, I'm very sympathetic to the frustrations that Albertans have, and that's why I've been covering them so extensively on the show. And I sat down with Paul Hinman, as I mentioned earlier, the leader of the Wild Rose Independence Party, which is a new party. This is going to be its first election, although clearly a lot of the people were involved in the previous Wild Rose Alliance and then the Wild Rose Party, which Paul Hinman was the leader of for a time. And Paul's position is basically that if you are not prepared to leave, the federal government has no incentive to give you anything. And this is, I fear, going to be part of the discussion and dilemma now. But here's my interview in Calgary with Paul Hinman. 
last or a couple of weeks ago, the Maverick Party very much underperformed what I think a lot of people who've been talking about Western independence were expecting and, and perhaps hoping for. And I, I know that a lot of people I've spoken to, including yourself just off air, have said that that is not an accurate reflection of, of where Albertans' frustration is with the status quo right now. So let me ask you, Paul, how do you reconcile, on one hand, this party that was trying to speak to Albertans that are dissatisfied with, with you know, the Canadian Federation and that getting 2.3% in the ridings of which it ran candidates with the challenges now and, and your hope for a future for the Wild Rose Independence Party? Well, first of all, the, the becoming independent is a provincial matter, not a federal one. And, and the Maverick Party and Jay Hill very much talked about and, and emphasized that, that we're going to go down and, and represent you. Um, Albertans realized that even when we sent the Reform Party and, and if we have 100% representation speaking out for Alberta, we're still a minority, we're, we're, we're 10%, and they're not going to change their treatment. And so all of the solutions that they had and what they said they were going to do, I think Albertans rationally looked at that and says, well, that, that doesn't fix anything. I, I mean, okay, someone's pointing up and says, quit being a bully, um, but they can't stop them from being a bully. I, I think there's probably more of an accurate reflection of the frustration in the referendum results on equalization. We had probably, when all is said and done, about 60% of Albertans saying that they want equalization pulled out of the Canadian Constitution, and, and despite I have to put the obligatory disclaimer that that's not a binding, yeah. uh, that's not a binding resolution. It doesn't affect, it doesn't amend the constitution. Alberta can't unilaterally do that. But sixty percent saying they don't think Alberta should have to be on the hook for the fiscal record in other provinces in the have-not provinces is sixty percent. Is that your cap, basically? I, I do not believe so, Andrew, that the, 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 the sky is the limit, 100%. You'll never get that. But the, the fact of the matter is is that we equalization is very complex. People don't understand it. Um, but but what they do understand is the, the toxic relationship that Alberta has with Ottawa. They do understand that we're footing the bill. Um, they do understand that the, there's a divide-and-conquer attitude with the, the government on, on, on how to buy votes in the East and, and how to demonize uh, our, our lifestyle, our industry, what we do here, um, and, and that's just wrong. And as that continues, which we know, you know, with the just transition and other things, that Albertans are, are being pushed to the brink of saying no. And, and so I, I think 60% is the bottom, and, and then it's just to grow up from there. One of the things that I think works for and against the UCP government right now is that on one hand, they've been really directing all of these concerns and all of the Western alienation towards that equalization referendum. They've been saying that's the outlet. Now that that's happened, there's really nowhere for the government to hide. They have to start proving that they're advancing for a better deal with Ottawa and, and wanting to, I think, show results, or that'll be expected of them. But the other side of this is that they now have this process that they say they're locked into, that the federal government's going to have to negotiate with them. And why is your view that that process, that the UCP government, which allowed for that referendum is not enough and, and that your party needs to be the one to take this step well, forward. Well, first of all, Jason's always said that, you know, that, that this isn't really about equalization. We just want a fair deal. I mean, Preston Manning, you know, the West wants in. Well, why, why do we want to be in a bad, toxic relationship? We, we, we need to get out. 
And, and so Jason, to me, this has been a, a great uh, smoke and mirrors, you know, to, to be intellectually, you know, leading the people that, oh, I'm going to do these things. And but, but people are realizing that he's not interested in a fair deal. Uh, I think he's interested, you know, in a federal career. Uh, I think he's interested, you know, in, in, in other things outside of Alberta, because when it comes to standing up for us, we've realized that he's betrayed us. He's betrayed us on jobs. He's betrayed us on pipelines. He's betrayed us on standing up to Ottawa. And, and he, he's, not, he, he's not showing that, that passion and that fight for Alberta and always wanting to compromise and saying, oh, we need to be the nice person on the block. No, we need to stand up and protect Alberta's industries and Alberta workers and Alberta families. And he's not doing that. And so I, I think that there's a much bigger picture here. Equalization was just the, the smoke and mirrors, the distraction for behind the scenes activities, which has been against us. When you talk about the Alberta relationship with Canada as being a toxic relationship, and I've also heard you say sinking ship, the, the metaphors have been very vivid on that. Are you talking about secession? Is that the only way to fix that imbalance in power in that relationship? Absolutely. I mean, it'll be for Albertans to decide, but, but we need to take full control of the decision-making in our future and our pathway forward because everything that we want to do, pretty much, Ottawa is against. They're against our oil and gas industry. They're against agriculture. I mean, they've actually said that... I, I, of all the dumb things that our Prime Minister has said, to say that he wants to reduce fertilizer input by 30%, like, th th this really is... Uh, goes against humanity. This is like we, we want people to starve around the world. We don't want to be able to produce the energy and the food that, that gives a quality of life to people. It, it, it's mind-numbing to me. But why does that have to be secession and not a, an Alberta replication of, of what Quebec has done to assert its own sovereignty within <laughs> Canada? Good, good question. Quebec gets $13 billion a year. We put out $20 billion a year. We, we've got a partner who, who's addicted, drunk, and, and spending our money, and we've got to cut off the financial ties. We, we cannot survive. One thing that, you know, when a country goes under, everybody goes under. Um, Canada, to me, is a sinking ship. Uh, I, I think that Trudeau wants to bankrupt us. He wants to have a great reset. He's excited about it. Sees, uh, you know, post-sovereignty and exciting things on, on rebuilding back better and all of that other propaganda that they continue to put out there. Uh, the only way for Alberta to survive is to be our, our own sovereign nation. Um, all things aside, if we are exercising our full autonomy, when Canada goes under, we can't all of a sudden say that we're, we're not part of that. We are, and, and so this is like a, a business or a marriage. When one of the partners is, is going to go bankrupt or carrying on and, and, and lose everything that we have, you, you can't be associated with them anymore. And so I, I think our future, our sovereignty, uh, is that's it. That, that, that's the be-all, end-all. If we're part of Canada, we sink with Canada. To play the devil's advocate here, if you're advancing this through the political system that has caused all these problems, how are you going to get the result you need and, and not have to resort to revolution? Well, that, that's the beauty of it right now. We're, we're still in a peaceful democracy and, and people are going to be able to vote. Are you going to vote for control and, and Ottawa being in charge of our decision? Or do you want to vote for the Wild Rose Independence Party, which is going to exercise our full autonomy, tell Ottawa that, you know, no, I, I'm sorry, you're off base on these areas. We're going to protect Alberta industries, protect Alberta families and religion and peaceful assembly, all of those things that, that are being stripped away. And so this, this is about good government. It's way more than, than, than just 
just the equalization which some people talk or the fair deals. That this is about determining our future. Everything from immigration to taxation to the size and role and scope of government. Government's out of control. It's destroying our society. And we need to go back to, again, the best government is always the local government. And we need to go back to that and realize the taxes are collected locally. They meet the local needs. Then they go on to the next level. We won't be any better off as a sovereign Alberta if we're sending all of our money to Edmonton like we've sent it all to Ottawa. Uh, if you have centralized government and we have to wait for government programs, I mean the frustration when I talk to municipalities and small towns and villages is that they're always begging government, we, we need this or we need that. I remember you know, going up north and they were desperate for pothole repairs. Three years pleading for the provincial government, we, we need these tens of millions of dollars. Nope, 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 we don't have a grant, we don't have a grant program. All of a sudden they gave it three years later, they'd gone into debt, the biggest you know, municipal debt that they were allowed, and then the government comes out with a new grant where they, they'd sent the money off in taxation, and then it says, oh no, you don't get refunded on that, this is a new grant going forward. And, and all of those control factors of centralized government is hurting Alberta, and, and we've got to go back to a new government that's effective, efficient, and focused on the people and meeting the people's needs instead of government making the taxation meet their needs, and, and the growth is just out of control, Andrew. We know that dissatisfaction from within and without the Conservative base is very significant with the leadership of the party, with, with Jason Kenney on, on questions of lockdown and the vaccine passport and all of these other things. There's a huge swath of voters that would vote for a Conservative alternative to Jason Kenney that might not be separatists. Are you missing out on a huge chunk of the population that could actually get you elected? That, that's an excellent question, and I'd actually say if you're a, a, a loyalist or a federalist, the best thing you can do to save this country is to vote and put in a Wild Rose government because that will actually bring Ottawa to the table if they're going to come to the table. And so if you want to save Canada then vote Wild Rose Independence Party because we're going to be the responsible ones on the block and say this is what you need to do. We, we need to fix our constitution. We can't be so-called demonstrably justified and yet then just take the whim of the prime minister or a health official and, and go there. We, we, we will stand up and represent the independent person, their, their rights to life, liberty, property, pursuit of happiness. And again, if Canada wants to keep Alberta, um, they, they can meet those needs. And again, it, it won't be us making that decision as the Wild Rose Independence Party. That'll be a referendum by the people. And again, if in fact, when we're government and, and here, here's the line in the sand, this is what you need to do. We're exercising our full autonomy and Ottawa allows that, then why would Albertans uh, want to vote and say, I'm gonna separate? So they don't need to worry that a vote for Alberta Wild Rose Independence Party is a vote for separation. It's a vote to put and exercise our full autonomy and then show Albertans a confidence how great it will be to be our own nation. But then Albertans will ultimately get to decide that. And if Canada comes to the table and says, yeah, we realize the Constitution is divisive. We realize that we've been abusive, that we've overtaxed you or over-regulating you. Your health care is your business. Your environment is your business. Your resources are your business. We'll allow you to do all those things. Then, like I say, if Albertans want that, vote Wild Rose Independence Party. But it sounds like you're trying to have the best of both worlds here. Because no. a few moments ago, you were talking about secession as being the only way it, for Alberta to do that. Now you're talking about it as a negotiating position with Canada. No, no, Which is I, no uh, excellent point. And I, I've misled you if that's what I did. Is that what I'm saying? If, if you believe that Canada is going to negotiate and, 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 and what would I say, be a fair deal with Alberta, 
The only way that that's even possible, which I don't think is possible, is to vote for the Wild Rose. They're not going to get anything with Jason. They're not going to get anything with Rachel Notley. If they think that, that if they think that bargaining and having that leverage is going to get that, then vote for the Wild Rose. That that's that's their hope. But the bottom line for me is is, is that Justin Trudeau is bankrupting our country, morally, financially, uh, every way. He he's bankrupting it, and we need to get off. And my my work will be to put. Our, uh, take the steps to have, exercise our full autonomy, give Albertans the confidence that we will be better off on our own, and then let allow them to vote. And so I'm just saying for those who think we need to say a sovereign nation and not divide, vote for the Wild Rose, because that's the only way Ottawa will come to the table. But I will still be advocating very strongly, we need to get out of here. This ship's on fire, it's taking on water, and we're all going to go down with it. So there's, there's no question we need to get out, but we got to give Albertans that confidence to vote to leave. Paul Hinman, thank you. Thank you, Andrew. It's always a pleasure having you out here. Thanks a lot. Now, let me say again, I am not an Alberta separatist. As a Canadian who leans right, I would actually be quite devastated to see Alberta leave the country because I think they are an important part of the fabric of this country. But I also don't think it is for anyone outside of Alberta to tell Albertans how they're supposed to take out their frustrations with Canada, which are, are very legitimate. And right now, I'd say their frustrations with Alberta as well, with their own provincial government there. And what I was seeing in that was, as I noted to Paul, a, a very significant escalation from even when I sat down with him, what was it, six months ago, and we spoke. And, and in that time, he was saying that it's not necessarily a, a separatist party. He said there are separatists in it. He knows that's a step if Alberta can't get a deal. But the, the last six months, the interceding six months between that interview and this one, have seemed to be, in Paul's view, sufficiently demoralizing, I guess, if I can put a word in his mouth, that he doesn't think there's a future for Alberta in Canada. That the only way forward, the only way to assert the things that Alberta wants is to do so outside of Confederation. And for all that Justin Trudeau likes to talk about being the great unifier and connecting the country and having this great big mandate, when you've got one of the most, the most prosperous province in the country that has a growing movement of people who want to leave the country, you do not get to claim credit for keeping the country together. And even if you don't agree with Alberta separatists or Alberta sovereigntists, you can look at them and say that they are a symptom of a problem that the federal government and the rest of Canada has allowed to get as bad as it has. They are, a, they are reacting to a problem. They are not creating a problem. And that's why I have a lot more sympathy for this movement, even if I, I don't want what they want right now. I have a lot more sympathy for the movement because I, I'm painfully aware of how we got there. The disagreement is not on whether they've been shafted. The disagreement is whether there can be a resolution from a strong provincial government in Alberta and a strong federal government that wants to listen to Alberta. That's the real question here. And certainly folks may have very strong opinions on that as to whether we can right this ship or plug the hole in the ship. I, I was trying to remember all the metaphors that, uh, that I was getting from Paul there. But that's the whole point. And, and it is interesting because one of the challenges, and, and Maxime Bernier on my show made this uh, comment about the Maverick Party, which was running for the Alberta independence vote in the last federal election, really didn't have answers to a lot of the key questions, Bernier said. What the Maverick Party was doing was really just saying, yeah, we, we want to have a Triple E Senate 
And once we do that, then we can talk about separation if it still doesn't work. But they weren't really addressing a lot of the key challenges that Albertans were, Albertans were facing. And this is why I asked Paul about this. What about someone who, again, wants a more conservative government? They want a stronger government, but they aren't a separatist. And, and I, I don't entirely buy his answer there that, well, they should vote for us anyway. Be, and this is why I push back on that. Because ultimately, there is an opening, I think, for someone to outflank Jason Kenney right now, for someone to outflank the UCP and say, yeah, we're going to be a pro-civil liberties party, we're going to be a pro-democracy party, we're going to do all of these things and more. And there are a lot of people in that boat that want to push Alberta to the point of replicating that Quebec experience, the sovereign but not separate idea, that don't want to go that last mile which is a pretty significant mile towards full-on secession. And I think that's going to be the sticking point here. But again, if, if the Wild Rose Independence Party is getting, as some polls are suggesting, 10-15% of the vote, that's going to be a devastating, devastating problem for the UCP. And it may well elect the NDP. But again, I'm one of these people, when, when people talk about vote splitting... I don't blame the party that wants to carve out a little bit of space for itself. I blame those who allow these movements to get so strong. And that's something we'll have to talk about in more detail. I know that Jason Kenney is facing a leadership review in April, and a lot of this is going to depend on how Jason Kenney does, because if Jason Kenney is ousted by his own party and replaced by someone else, it might take a lot of the wind out of the sails of the independence movement or the Wild Rose Independence Party specifically. But that's something, again, I, I don't want to speculate too, too much. It's just very much a possibility that is out there come April. One of the other people I spoke to, and I always enjoy chatting with him out west, is Danny Hozak, who's the chairman of the Economic Education Association, the host of this conference, and I caught up with him to talk about what it was that we were actually discussing. Because as I said, the theme was not Western independence, it was healthcare. But in a lot of cases, this is something that is integrally linked to every other aspect of our existence. And this was part of what I was speaking about at the conference, which was the idea that healthcare is really used as a trump card on everything else. Because, well, you've got to look out for hospital capacity, therefore we have to throw down all these restrictions. Or, oh, well, it's a universal system, so doctors don't get to have conscience rights. All these sorts of things. This was my conversation with Danny Hozak. So you've been doing these for several years now. I've had the privilege of coming to four of them now. This one's a bit unique, though. You've talked in past conferences about Western independence and what the road forward is going to look like. We are just a few days after the equalization referendum in which it's looking like probably six in ten Albertans said they wanted something to change there. How does that color the way that you view this event? Well, uh, I, th I think like, like one of the things that John Robson pointed out to us when we were talking about this is sure we want to stop equalization and we mean we uh, you, quite frankly we want we're, we want we have a lot of people who want to talk about uh, you know Western independence having our own country but as John said and I agreed with him and that's why we're having the conference not much not much point creating your own country and then going broke in your own country and so uh, clearly I mean healthcare is is consuming more than half of the resources or near half of the government resources in all the provinces it's it's something that we need to deal with and I think we led a really good discussion here and certainly talked at, you know, about a lot of options that need to be talked about. Why do they need to be talked about? Why was healthcare the, the single issue you felt needed to be tackled for this seminar? Well, you know, half the budget for one thing, you know what I mean? And uh, and, and quite frankly, I think it, it was so clear that some of the responses to COVID were just totally like 
irrational, I think, is the only word I can think of. And so he said, like, what's going on? Like, who's making these decisions? How can we continually make, you know, decisions that so, so defy the science, so defy logic? And as Colonel Redmond pointed out, like, we look at a pandemic response that should have eight or nine different responses, and we only had one, you know, the, the healthcare system. So there's so many things that were going wrong, but I think just the way that the, the, the COVID sort of dropped the curtain down from what a mess, you know, we're actually in in our healthcare system. What is it that you would like to see moving forward in this province with, with healthcare and other things? And I'll qualify that by saying a lot of people across the country that were very fed up with lockdowns and restrictions were looking at Alberta and Jason Kenney's open for summer, open for good message and, and saying, wow, this is the way to do it. And then when all of a sudden Alberta throws in a vaccine passport, it, it doesn't look like Canada has that safe haven for, for people that don't want a, a made by government solution to these things. No, I mean, I think it's, this is one more place where I think uh, Jason Kenney, the supposed conservative, has betrayed us. You know what I mean? Like, I think he could have done a better job of defending uh, some of the, uh, the, the the oil industry projects that were on the table. And I mean, he certainly could have done a better job of this. I mean, to me, he could have distinguished himself and Alberta as a leader in the free world by, uh, you know, looking around, like looking at Sweden, looking at, look at a lot of the other examples. I mean, we're the free enterprise people. And he could have said, look, we're going to take a free enterprise approach to this if you're worried about the COVID it's a free province like stay in your house like don't come out but anybody wants to come out it'll be just like the people who wanted to go to Fort McMurray and you know find the oil in the ground they went there and they they turned Alberta into one of the miracles of the modern world and I think we could have done that with a response to COVID if we'd have taken a rational approach to it instead of I don't know what you would call the kind of approach they've taken it's irrational I guess is the opposite of that yeah we heard during the last federal election, whenever there was even a whisper from the Conservatives that they might support some reform of the healthcare system, that might maybe give some private alternatives, the media descends, the Liberals pounce, the NDP pounce, and you can't really have an honest discussion about some of these alternatives or ways that you could fix the system. So how do you hope to break through that with some of the ideas that have come out here? Because I note that a lot of the politicians aren't in attendance. So how do you actually change the climate in Canada so you can talk about these things? Thanks. Well, uh, two things. I mean, uh, uh, and again, uh, and Maxime Bernier talked about this last night. He said, like, what Paul Hemmings is doing with his Wild Rose Independence Party is uh, he, he's prepared to lead the discussion. And quite frankly, you know, Maxime Bernier is prepared to lead the discussion. And uh, some of my federal conservative friends have complained to me about why I was supporting Maxime Bernier. And I said, well, for one thing, because he's a genuinely nice guy, but for, for another reason, he actually has a written plan to deal with every problem that we've spent our life complaining about. And so when someone comes up with a plan, I think they deserve they deserve to be supported. But part of what his plan, and he said something that would help him fix the nation, is like for Alberta to say, look, we're not putting up with this BS anymore. We want a, a new deal, a fair deal, or we're leaving. And so I think the, the combination of uh, the Wild Rose Party saying we're not prepared to put up with this anymore. And then, so the people, they have two options. They can help Maxime Bernier fix the country, or they can help uh, Paul Hyman create a new one. Well, you always put on a great event, and I'm glad to have the opportunity yet again to participate in it. Thanks very much, Danny. Thanks for coming. We'll look forward to seeing you at the next one. Take care. That was Danny Hozak. My thanks again to the good people of Alberta who are always so hospitable to me. And as I said in a little bit of a joke, a semi-joke, I guess, in my opening remarks, when I was thanking them for their hospitality, I was also talking about equalization as an Ontarian. But nevertheless, <laughs> got a few laughs and a few cries, I think. We'll be back in just a couple of moments here with more of The Andrew Lawton Show here on True North. Stay tuned. You're tuned in to The Andrew Lawton Show. 
We are back. This is the Andrew Lawton Show here on True North. I I don't want to make it an entirely Alberta show, but there is a bit of an Alberta tie-in to this next segment. You may remember last week we spoke about Calgary Mayor Jody Gondek's declaration that her first order of business will be to declare a climate emergency. This is the biggest issue facing the people of Calgary. The mayor is going to come in. She's going to say it's a climate emergency. She's going to move past oil and gas. Obviously, this was not a position she campaigned on, so people in Calgary were feeling a little bit under the gun, certainly those in the embattled oil and gas sector. At that press conference of Jason Kenney's, I asked him about this and said, listen, I know you want to work with all the mayors, but what do you make of this priority? And well, this was that exchange. Well, obviously, as you're well aware, the mayor-elect of Calgary has decided to make her first order of business as mayor to declare a climate emergency. She's also made comments that have uh, raised uh, some alarm bells for people in the energy sector, talking about moving past oil and gas. As Premier, I know you want to work with the Mayor and and work with all of the uh, newly elected representatives of last week's elections, but what's your response to comments like that? Well, in a city that has been suffering from near double-digit unemployment, that has gone through five years of deep economic adversity. I find that a peculiar priority. Uh, I would have thought that uh, the mayor of Calgary's top priority would be getting Calgarians back to work. That's certainly my top priority. You know what? I think he was probably being a little bit restrained there by calling it a peculiar set of priorities, but I'm glad that he's taking aim at it. And when you have a province and specifically a city that is dealing with huge unemployment, as you may have seen from Candace Malcolm's documentary a couple of years back, Calgary in Crisis, Calgary is a city that has been hugely suffering in part because of a decline in Alberta's oil and gas sector. But then when you have government putting barriers on top of that, and then you throw the pandemic into the mix, this is why Calgary's downtown has been a ghost town in many respects. And, and sure, little parts of it have come back, but this is not a city who most people in it would say is suffering from a climate emergency first and foremost, or even ranking at the top 10 of what their problems are and their challenges are. So this is why Jody Gondek, I think, did not read the room, as we say. Nor did the hosts of the COP26 conference in Glasgow starting in just a couple of days. This is where the new battle. So this is where 30,000 people from around the world are going to fly to tell us all to fly less. This is literally what's happening. The UK government's chief science advisor, who is a gentleman by the name of Sir Patrick Valance, has said that we need to eat less meat and reduce flights. He says this while the government he advises is hosting a conference that 30,000 people from every corner of the globe are flying to, to tell us all to reduce our flights and eat less meat. And the Glasgow menu has now become the real battleground here because originally they were going to still serve a lot of meat. And now there's a new campaign that is saying you can't be a meat eating environmentalist. So what they've said now is, okay, the menu will be dominated by plant-based dishes. It'll be mostly Scottish, no haggis. You uh, you don't get uh, plant-based haggis, I believe. But they're, they're going to have this, and they're trying to capitulate to this. I don't know if there's going to be any meat. I mean, the last I was hearing is that there was going to be some meat still. Alan Cumming, the actor who's a, a Scot himself, has said that it's an irresponsible decision to serve meat on this. So the real problem is not that all these people are flying to Scotland. The real problem is that they're 
they're all going to perhaps enjoy a hamburger when they get there. This is the, the challenge of this. But the problem with this is that there is a huge, a huge chasm between the carbon emissions of a country like China and, a carbon, and the carbon emissions of a country like Canada. China, responsible for 28% of the world's annual carbon emissions. Canada, responsible for two. But these people will say that the issue is a Canadian family having meat and not China's industrial emissions. Now, if you want to challenge whether emissions are the best metric of a country's environmental record, that is an entirely legitimate discussion. But even by these people's stated metrics, no one in Canada, if Canada were to go dark overnight and not produce anything, not emit an iota of carbon, Canada would not have dropped the world's record on this by more than 2%. 2%, that's it. If China were to go dark, all of a sudden emissions have dropped by 28%, which is almost the 30% target that everyone is supposed to adhere to as they head towards this net zero ambition, which is only going to cost money. So we have a recently re-elected liberal government in Canada that's going to be with enthusiasm sending a delegation to Glasgow at which they'll want to show off to all their climate-loving friends in every other country and make all of these commitments that necessarily come back to hurt Canada and to hurt the Canadian economy. And by the way, we are not even meeting our Paris commitments. So the targets that were supposed to be the be-all and end-all in 2015 were nowhere near, and most countries in the world aren't as well. But what's happened now is that in doing this, the government wants to just keep pushing things further and further. And we are the ones left paying for it, literally and figuratively. We've got to end things there. My thanks to all of you for tuning into the show. We'll be back tomorrow with a special edition of the program delving into free speech as the government eyes a return of that censorship bill, C-36. That'll be tomorrow. You won't want to miss that. And then I'm off next week and the week after we'll be back with full strength Andrew Lawton show greatness, I hope. Nothing like a little bit of humility on True North. Thank you, God bless, and good day to you all. Thanks for listening to The Andrew Lawton Show. Support the program by donating to True North at www.tnc.news.